0: studies have shown that even among the wealthiest americans who have access to the you know the top investment advisors accountants uh, attorneys the average half-life is eight years
1: welcome to the next level income show where it's our goal to take your income your investments and your life to the next level I'm your host, Chris Larson. If you haven't yet, get a copy of our book for free at our website, nextlevelincome.com. That's www.nextlevelincome.com. Just click on the book link and I'll even send you a copy if you put your address in. On today's show, we have David York. David is an attorney and CPA who practices law in the area of estate planning with extensive experience in designing advanced strategies for high net worth clients. David has spoken to hundreds of public groups and professional organizations, including the TEDx Salt Lake City, Q Commons, the Hawaii Tax Institute, the Purposeful Planning Institute, Investments and Wealth Institute, um, on and on. David has also written three books, Entrusted, which I love, Riveted, and a new book, The Gift of Lift, which he is going to discuss on today's show. If you have questions about how to teach your children how to be wealthy, how to structure your estate so you can move that wealth into the future and have a bigger impact, or just wonder, you know, what is it, that I do next after I've done all this hard work in my life, you are not going to want to miss this episode. David, welcome to the show. Hey, looking forward to it. Thank you so much for letting uh, me have a chance to chat. Yeah, well, I, um, you know, we we got connected here, David, through some mutual friends, and I had I had a copy of your book, and I, which I read, I, I loved it. Passed it on to a friend, um, entrusted that is, because in the in the intro, I mentioned you've you've written three books. Um yeah. Which, I, which I'd love for you to share. So when, when uh, your team reached out to me to have you on the uh, Next Level Income show here, I was super excited because I love what you do. Um, I used your techniques, your stories, um, your methods as, as my wife and I prepared you know, our estate plan here over the past year. And now I'm super excited for you to share some of your knowledge and um, stories and things that you've learned over your, your long career in this space with our audience.
0: Yeah, I know. I appreciate it. That's exactly why uh, we wrote it. It's just to help people um, figure out a way to cast a vision for their wealth and its purpose. Yeah. And you've been
1: now you've been in the space for 25 years. Is that right?
0: Yeah. So my background, I started uh, I was a CPA then went to law school. And so I came from a really technical background and um, very much that traditional model of estate planning. Uh, in the book, I refer to it as the 4D model, right? Dump, I defer and dissipate, right? We just, uh, 99% of estate plans out there, take the assets, dump them down to the next generation, divide them up equally, try to defer any taxes and really dissipate the wealth. And one, it's an uncompelling model, especially to a lot of uh, boomers, uh, Xers, millennials who really wanna think through intentionality with their wealth. But it also can be really destructive, um, and I saw a lot mm. of that. I saw a lot of uh, failed wealth transfer. I saw addictions fed. I saw heirs stripped of purpose. I saw assets mm. dissipated. Um, you know, the average American inheritance is consumed in eighteen months. So really, what, yeah. So what the average American wow. inherits uh, is on and is on average gone in eighteen months. And you say, well, okay. Well, maybe that's true of the average American, but, you know, among the high net worth, yeah. uh, you're going to c- just continue to get wealthier and wealthier. And yet the studies have shown that even among the wealthiest Americans who have access to the, you know, the top investment advisors, uh, accountants, uh, attorneys, the average half-life is eight
1: years. Um, so you so just- you're, cutting, you're cutting the wealth in, life in half every eight years yeah so yeah. yeah statistically speaking, mm-hmm. someone who inherits
0: twenty million dollars in one generation or twenty four years on average is about a million and a half left um yeah. and so um, yeah, it part of what I realized in going through this is is that we are trying to create
1: technical solutions to human issues um
0: and we've just had it backwards,
1: yeah. No, and I think, um, look, one of the stories that I love. So I live in Asheville, North Carolina. Yeah. And we have the Biltmore. And I just um, finished writing uh, a financial chapter for a children's book um, with a collaboration with a friend of mine. And in it, I use the Vanderbilt story yeah. uh, to illustrate you know, how you you can fail if you don't teach your children the wealth. And, you know, I noticed you use that in one of your chapters as the example. And um, for those that don't know, Cornelius Vanderbilt was one of the wealthiest individuals and left a fortune of, I think it was about 2 billion in today's dollars to his son, who then approximately doubled it. And then do you mind kind of taking the story over from there and yeah, I mean,
0: happened. it's, it's really interesting. And, and, and it's an example of what, um, you know, I say is the fundamental thing I've learned in 25 years of estate planning, and that is, we value things based on what they cost us. And mm. when something doesn't cost us anything, we just can't value it like something that comes with cost. And the Vanderbilt example is one of those is that, unfortunately, too often in inherited wealth, we don't have that cost. We don't have that pain associated with the accumulation of it. And so we just can't value it. And so, um, yeah, they, um, there's a story, um, that on the high anniversary, hundred and hundred fiftieth hundred and 150th mm-hmm. anniversary of Vanderbilt university, the, the Vanderbilt descendants came, uh, in the 1970s and there was not one single millionaire among the group. Now, you know. Uh, whether that's, uh, you know, true or not, the reality is that wealth, uh, was dissipated and dissipated fairly quickly. In fact, um, Anderson Cooper is a grandchild or a great great grandchild, you know, and he talks about having that. They
1: basically did not have anything, uh, and then started over. Yeah. So the common you mentioned that, um, you know, there, there can be destructive forces at play when you pass it on. Um, I think kind of the converse story to that is, is the Rockefellers, right. Which have the Rockefeller rules. Um, and you said, um, uh, maybe you could kind of illustrate, you know, what they did right versus what the Vanderbilts did wrong and how you kind of help teach kind of these same strategies, um, to help people avoid making the same mistakes as the Vanderbilts did.
0: Yeah. You know, and that's something that I think is especially can be especially difficult with a lot of high net worth clients um, who, you know, it's the paradox of wealth. How do we earn our wealth through hard work, risk, stress, sleepless nights, worry, right? All those things. Mm -hmm. As a result, we we really highly value what we have. But what does wealth help us avoid? Hard work, risk, stress, Mm -hmm. sleepless nights, worry, right? So if we're not careful, the very thing that we use to create and to value is what wealth helps us to avoid. And so, um, you know, Malcolm Gladwell talks, he talks about what he calls desirable difficulties, right? You know, those struggles and, yeah. yeah, those struggles and trials that we have. And the hard part is you don't want to create artificial pain, you know, you don't want to be the parent who says, look, there's a pile of rocks on the west side of the of the of our backyard, move them all to the east.
1: And tomorrow, I'll tell you what to do. Right, and let's move them back to the west side. Uh, oh man, I've already made a mistake. Then I'm yeah. just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, I had my son. I had one son dig the hole and the other fill it up. That's exactly. Right? Yeah, I'm just exactly. <laughs> I'm but just I mean, kidding. I think that is yeah.
0: it is interesting because yeah. you know um, one of the the things again that that parents want to do is they want their kids to avoid some of the level of pain and suffering they right. went through. Uh, Yet most of us, you know, when we look back, well, while very few of us want to go through pain today, we can appreciate the transformation that occurs the pain of yesterday. And so, mm. you know, one of the things I try to strive or tell clients is let's let's focus on providing not necessarily equal distributions, equal allocations, but let's create equal opportunities. Let's let's focus on things that allow an engagement and investment on mm-hmm. the part of the child. So that they can bring that pain and cost, and they can bring that value proposition, and then instead of this shotgun approach to wealth transfer, let's create more of a mind shaft. Let's let's create opportunities, and then allow successive generations to create their own wealth from the from those opportunities. Um, and and in that regard, and I think that's what Rockefellers, other families, you know, the Rothschilds. There were others. Charles, yeah. Yeah, who provided opportunities, um, but but not just to unearned, undirected wealth. Right.
1: Yeah, and I think I I love that uh, you mentioned Malcolm Gladwell because um, I was having a conversation with um, actually a friend's daughter, uh, who was you know now she is she's either a PhD candidate or she's she just graduated, so very intelligent individual, and we were talking actually at her sister's graduation from med school, so two very intelligent. Individuals. And we were talking about, you know, life and successes and different things. And she said, Well, that's because you're like, you're lucky. You've, you've had, you know, luck. You're raised in a great family and this. Well, my father died when I was five. And I remember reading uh, Malcolm Gladwell's work and he was talking about children whose parents died tended to go on to be more successful. And he listed presidents and CEOs and different things. And it, it hit me cause this wasn't that long ago. Cause all these years, I kind of wondered what kind of pushed me and drove me. Um, and I brought that up to her. I said, well, is that, is that lucky that I faced that? And she said, well, no, that's, that's that's terrible. Like you wouldn't want, you wouldn't want anybody to face that. And my point to her was, I said, sometimes our hardships are what make us great. And the, the question, you know, the struggle that, you know, we're talking about right now, David is, you know, how do you give your children all of the opportunities that you didn't have with while still showing them how to appreciate it. Um, And, you know, that's what, you know, I think, I think sports is a great thing for younger children um, because they have to develop that discipline, but what are some of the strategies that you help teach the families that you work with to pass on, you know, these habits, these, um, the learnings that the the first generation in the family uh, that created the wealth does, passed down to the second generation so that they can perpetuate not only the wealth, but really the mindset, as you mentioned, to how to maintain and continue to you know grow the wealth and even more importantly, what they do with that? Yeah,
0: no, I think it's a great question. And I would say just at the outset, um, things I have to tell my clients, especially uh, high net worth first generation wealth creators, is that you were lied to. Uh, you were told that if you got and accumulate a large amount of wealth, then you won't have a care worry in the world, you know, <laughs> and it's not true. You know, yeah, it's, it's a lie. Yeah. It actually brings a huge level of responsibility yeah. and obligation. And, you know, I tell clients, look, you can, it's easy to give your money away. It's not easy mm-hmm. to give it away. Well, uh, it's, it's easy to do estate planning and wealth transfer. It's not easy to do it well. And so mm. all of that hard work and effort, to transfer well is going to take some hard work and effort, so you got to kind of have to realize that um, and then process. the other thing yeah. ex- absolutely and then yeah. what I find for a large number of my clients is that they know how to become wealthy they don't know how to be wealthy and and being wealthy is
1: different than becoming Ooh. wealthy
0: you know and it comes with it own- down
1: yeah being it- being wealthy is different than becoming wealthy
0: yeah like and that. and a lot of clients They feel a high level of success becoming wealthy. They feel a lot of being wealthy. They don't know what to do, what's expected of them, how they engage, how they talk to their kids, how they talk to their family, how they live. And it leads to a certain level of paralysis. And then what a lot of them do is they say, look, I'm failing at being wealthy, so I'm just going to go back and keep money that I'm good at and that I can do. And then they kind of ignore this issue that they have. And so- the number one thing, and this doesn't matter your worth, but I do think it becomes even more important uh, for higher net worth individuals. And that's this your children, um, I think from teenager up, they need to know the answer to three questions. Um, number one, what can I expect because I'm part of this family? Number two, what should I not expect simply because I'm part of this family? Number three, what's expected of me? And I will tell you this in the vast majority, uh, especially of high net worth families, kids don't know the answers to those three questions. And so they live in this area of ambiguity. And the reason they don't know those is because the parents haven't come up with those. (laughs) So you just have a lot.
1: Yeah, that's a fantastic point. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and so they just live in this area of ambiguity and our brains aren't actually made for ambiguity. So what happens is, The kids are going to make up a story that answers those three questions. Maybe right, maybe wrong. You know, I had a client. It was funny. He told me, he said, you know, uh, my dad told me he didn't have any money, even though he did. And he said, you got to go out and make it in life. I'm not going to leave you anything. You got to go and you're responsible for yourself. He goes, so that's what I did. Uh, And so he goes, so that's what I'm telling my kids. We don't have any money. We don't have anything. And you got to go make it in life. And I said, well, that's great. But you live in a $7 million home. Like, I don't, the, the I don't, don't think the kids are right buying it, right? Yeah, yeah, the kids aren't buying that, right? Yeah. And so uh, sometimes people like, I had a client who, who sold his business for, you know, eight figures, worked just night and day. Yeah. Uh, and then he had this massive liquidity event and they were flying back to to see family. His wife was from Europe and they were flying back there. And his wife is like, whenever they've gone back, they'd always fly with phone coach, you know, last <laughs> row of the plane, save the most money. Uh, Cause he was just building. And he, she was like, you think maybe we could fly like comfort plus or, you know, heaven forbid first class. Not he's even like,
1: first class. Yeah.
0: No, he's like, no, no, we can't let the kids know that we have any, like, he was just totally, wow. you know, yeah. he was so paralyzed by what to do and, mm. and worrying about creating entitlement that he yeah. was trying to
1: pretend to be wealthy. Wow. Um, what a so, conflict, right? Yeah, it's exactly. Be a, it's gotta be a tremendous internal conflict.
0: Exactly. And so I think, going through the process uh, with your spouse or, you know, if you're single mm-hmm. being able to answer those three questions for your kids yeah. is one of the best you can do. And actually it's a really empowering message um, because especially when you get to, here's what, here's what you can expect. If you go to school, we're going to help you with, with, with school. If you save up uh, some money, we'll, we'll match some to help you buy a house. If, if you go work two years in an industry, Uh, and you save up money and you want to you want to start a business we'll help you with that if you've got a good plan but here's what we won't do we're not going to go bail you out uh, if you run up a bunch of debt we're not gonna um there's gonna be a limit on how long you can go to school we're not gonna have a Tom. we're not gonna have a tommy boy situation right uh if uh (laughs) yeah exactly it is a great movie uh they're called doctors right uh so um you know we um I think it actually allows kids to get out of that paralysis and parents yeah. and then it creates a framework to have that. So that's the number one thing I tell clients. If, if you can't answer those three questions, then really anything else we do from a planning perspective uh, you know, we're, we're,
1: we're dealing with, with very issues. Yeah. No, I think that's fantastic. What, and you mentioned, I think you said kind of starting it as teenagers and this is, this is something that I, I often ask, and I, I discuss it with friends, um, because my I have i've I've a particularly inquisitive younger son, and I love it because he he says things like he's always he's like, "Hey, how much Dad, how much did that house cost? I'll see a house for sale. How much is that house?" And I'm like, "Well, he can look it up on the internet, and like you said, David, you know if he asked me, "Hey, Dad, how much was your car?" I'm like well he he now can go and Google it, right so yeah." I yeah. told my wife, I'm like, I'm not going to hide that from them. He yeah. does ask things like, how much money do you make? How much money are we worth? Um, like, what your net worth is, and he'll actually try to triangulate it too, being ten. Yeah. So yeah. He, he does, and I'm like, well, I'm not going to tell you that. So I guess um, two part, you know, two parts to that question. I guess what is the right age to start having these, and I mean more meaningful conversations, like you're mentioning, not like, hey, this is a bank account type thing, and then what is the right amount of information to start with At You know, for, for um, let's, well, let's just use my soon to be 13 year old son. Like what's, what's a good strategy at that age?
0: Yeah. And I think that is, is there's a difference between honesty and transparency, you know, and I think some clients, some clients feel like, well, if I'm going to be honest and I have to be fully transparent and I'm not, you know, do I get the whole balance sheet out for the kids? No, it, that's not about, what you're worth. It's about mm-hmm. how did you earn what you have? Um, and what would it take for your child to do that same thing? And um, again, at the end of the day, it's about a, a value proposition. That's one of the really big benefits of cost is it lets us measure out our own value on something. Yeah. And um, so, you know, that said, I am a huge fan of, in age-appropriate ways, really helping to uh, prepare kids uh, for wealth, uh, as opposed to just preparing wealth for kids. You know, I think yeah. instead of the four Ds—dump, divide, defer, and dissipate—I'm a fan of what I call the four Ps. Right? Purpose, yeah. helping your kids understand who they are, what they value, and what they believe. It's about perspective. I think it's really important. Um, not, you know, not to make feel guilty for what they have and i think sometimes right. there's there's a level of guilt when you see the world but just understand the fact that you can go into the kitchen you can open a refrigerator and it's stocked full of food that's a fairly unique experience not just in the history of the world but but even in the united States, in the world today yeah um and Especially,
1: yeah so, well stocked healthy food it's no it's, exactly
0: yeah and yeah. then uh third is preparation you know, I think we need to prepare kids. And then the fourth is participation. You know, um, I, I have a lot of clients who they're, they're worth eight, nine figures, and their kids are working ten-hour, a ten-dollar an hour jobs at the mall because they're learning uh, responsibility, accountability, mm-hmm. and what parents say. Look, is we'll help you go to school. We're not paying pizza and soda pop money, and you can make yeah. those decisions and earn that. And so, again, that's age appropriate. But I think it's about you know honesty and. When your kid asks questions, and I think curiosity is great, but I think it always is important to go back to you know how were you able to acquire what you did? Um, and what did it call co- you know what did it take mm-hmm. in terms of time and effort and those kind of things. Again, what can they expect? and um, and that's where I, I think having an integrated uh, purpose for your wealth that leans yeah. through your planning um,
1: makes the most sense to me. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about that. Um, and then I also want to talk about your, your most recent book, cause we started with, uh, entrusted, which, which I read, which was your first book. Um, and we had a quick conversation before the show about this, you said, and I, I love it. Like Simon Sinek says, like, start with, with why, um, can you talk a little bit about that philosophy and how that, you know, kind of undergirds, um, you know, this whole planning process?
0: Yeah, you know, unfortunately, I think so much about um, estate planning when you when you think about estate planning, and it's even true with financial planning or other things, is we think about what is estate planning or how do we do that, and I really think we need to start with the why and the who. You know, I, I was working, I was talking with a, a group of really successful entrepreneurs, and I asked them, I said, how many of you you men and women would equate the success of your business to your articles of incorporation. Mm. <laughs> and they all laughed. They're like, zero percent. We equate zero percent. I said, what made you successful? They said, well, it was one, we knew the problem that existed in the world or the need that was there, and we knew how we wanted to solve that and how we could be better at solving it than anyone else. And we surrounded ourselves with great people. I said, okay, well, did you need our corporation I said, yeah, we needed that. We needed all that stuff. We needed, you know, bylaws and stock ledgers and all that. But that's not what made us successful. And, and I think the same is true with the state planning is we need to start with the, you need to start with the why of your wealth. Uh, and if we start with the premise that impact isn't optional, everything that we do as people makes an impact. Everything we do with our, our money and our wealth makes an impact. So if we start with that assumption, and the question is, okay, what impact do we want to have made? Um, and I think sometimes, you know, another term for impact, uh, it's a loaded word, but its I think it's equally fair, is legacy. Um, legacy is not optional. Um, and so I think it starts with having that understanding of what legacy, what impact do I want my wealth to have, and let the why have the who. So I'll give you an example. I had a client who one time said, you know, I want to set up my estate plan so that, that my kids are graduating from high school. They don't get a penny for anything except for college until they graduate from college. Um, I said, okay, let me ask you a question. Um, let's say you had two children, one child, super smart, hardworking, entrepreneurial, but school wasn't their thing. But they love working with their hands. So they want electrical contracting license. And then they went and started their own electrical contracting business. They've got ten employees, growing, vibrant business. And I said, didn't you have another kid? They are so good at school. They've been there for the last nine years with no plans on ever leaving. I said, which kid would you rather have? And he goes, well, I'd rather have the electrician. He goes, quite frankly, I got some work I need done around the house. And I said, yeah, I said, because it's not that you you don't actually value education. What you value is determination, productivity, wisdom self-reliance. Um, and education is a great expression of that, but that's not the sum total of those values. So if we start with getting clarity on what you value, then our mantra is simple, resource what you value. Um,
1: so once you understand what you resource. value. I'm sorry, I got to pause there. Resource what you value. Yeah. yeah. I was in sales. The- I always used to say measure what matters and that's a great resource what you value. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, unfortunately, in, in the world today, we don't have clarity in what we value. And one of the things I tell people is, look, you can value anything, you can't value everything. And so part of what you need to understand about your values is it helps you create a framework for where you have those resources, because they're limited. You know, yeah. I, I don't care how wealthy you are, you know, among my, my, again, higher net worth clients, what they come to realize, their most precious source is time. Right. Absolutely. And Absolutely. so many of us, uh, the world will ask far more of us than our time lots, but we're all given this amount. And so once you understand that value proposition and you can articulate that, then you let that drive what you, where you uh,
1: engage your resources, your time, your talent, your treasure, right? The three T's. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So let's talk, um, about what you called kind of six year thought process behind uh your latest book the gift of lift daily
0: yeah so it was born out of just an um, amazing experience so I, I had the i have the pleasure of working with um gail miller uh owner of the utah jazz and oh yeah um, so we were in the process of working on a trust that was designed to keep uh the team make sure that in the future it stayed in the uh, state of Utah if you've, if you've been to Utah you know we're a one horse town like it's that's a big deal for us we have that one professional sport and so uh, we we're working on this trust and um, that she was going to transfer that to make sure it stays here in the state and in the midst of working on that I happened to ask her I said you know how, how do you feel about not owning the jazz anymore and she said well I don't own the jazz and now you guys, this is one of the smartest uh, people I know. She's, incre- I mean, it, her ability in business and philanthropy, she is very sharp, you know, but at the same time, you know, the estate planner in me kicks in and I said, well, no, actually you do own the jazz. And I'll never forget she what she was doing. She put down the trust and she looked at me and she said, no, I'm a steward of the jazz. Mm. Um, and in that mm. moment, I saw something that transcended ownership. I think, you know, in the Western world, especially in, you know, in capitalist mar- model, we tend to think of ownership as the pinnacle. And yet here was someone who had transcended even the ownership of the asset. And, you know, the the unfortunate reality is most of the things we own in turn own us. Um, and especially if we're not careful. And um, so what I, you know, it sent me on this long journey of trying to figure out, okay, what is a steward and how do you have that mindset? And what I came to realize is that a steward is someone who's fully in invested in something bigger than themselves. So they have these twin poles of investment and transcendence. They are all in, but it's not about themselves. It's about something bigger. Yeah. And so that's what the gift of lift is, is it's really just an exploration of this concept of stewardship. And again, I, Yes, a, a a billionaire can be a steward, but so can a stay-at-home parent. Uh, so can a teacher, so can a uh, business person uh, running a business. Um anyone can be a steward if you have that understanding
1: of what's bigger than you and how are you yeah. gonna engage with it. No, I love that. And it's I mean, look, the, the fact of the matter is, you know, we're we're only here temporarily. You made you just made the point that you know our our greatest resource is time. Yeah. And you know, even, you know, it's like even if we do own a piece of property, we still have to pay taxes on it and do these things. We're really, we really are. I think if you look at it that way, it really changes um, the the way you look at things. And then also with that kind of extension of what happens after you're not there anymore, which is, which is tremendous. Yeah. Um, David, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've, again, I've really, I've really enjoyed uh, reading Entrusted. I'm looking forward to reading uh, The Gift of Lift. Um, if the audience wants to get your books, if they want to see more about your firm, learn more about, you know, what you do, or even have questions about potentially working with you, what's the best way to find you and the resources that you have?
0: Yeah, it's uh, davidryork.com. Uh, I've got links to those resources. I've got articles that I've written. Um, also, there's a link. I did a TED talk uh, on uh, wealth. Uh, so, you know, it's it's 11 minutes. Um, and it uh, just kind of gives you a different way of thinking about wealth. And then um, our law firm is YorkHowell.com, and um, you know we do we do estate planning and all those things, but always with a mind of why driving the
1: how. I love that, and I love I love what you said as we talked about the rocket in the background with bringing technical solutions to these you know bigger you know problems that are are human human issues and yeah. doing that yeah. Um, yeah and kind of flipping. Flipping the process around by driving that. So, David, yeah. it's been a wonderful conversation. I really appreciate everything you've shared with the audience today. Um, please, if you've been listening today, um check out our website, nextlevelincome.com, like and subscribe to the show. Also check out David's website, davidrork.com, and we will have all this in the show notes as well. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Hey, Chris here again. I hope you found this episode valuable. Now, I have one more thing to gift to you. We have a page for my coaching clients where you can get a free copy of my book, as well as much more from previous guests on the show. Just check out nextlevelincome.com slash coaching to get a free copy of my book, audiobook, and much more. I'll send you a copy of my book and cover all the shipping costs as a thank you for listening to the podcast. Also, please like, share, and take just 90 seconds to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts.